Bibles, uh, let's turn to 1 John, the book of 1 John, chapter 5. This morning I want to read verses 6 through 12. 1 John, chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the certainty of your word. Thank you, Father, that we get to look now at your word, and we would pray that by the same Spirit that moved upon John to pen these words for us and for your people, that that same Spirit would now give us understanding that this same Spirit would now open these words up to us, that we would behold life, and that we would live in that life. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, of, of all of the units that we have covered thus far in this letter, this letter we call First John, uh, this, this segment has probably some of the most interesting challenges in it to understand what 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 what, what is he saying what did, what did we just read and what what's the takeaway uh, from from this and and yet while it's a challenge for us to 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 grasp um, some of the details of this segment um, it, it, what is clear is uh, that the, the notion of testify or testimony is, is the operational principle in this segment. About eight times the word testimony or, or the, the word testify occurs. And so there's, there's something big and important uh, about a testimony, and not just any testimony, uh, but God's testimony. Two things I want us to look at concerning God's testimony. First of all, in verses 6 through 9, I want to see, I want us to note the assertion of God's testimony, the assertion 
of God's testimony. And then in verses uh, 10, 11, and 12, we want to note something of the appropriation of God's testimony. Look at the, at the very tail end of verse 9. That's how we'll start this first point concerning the assertion of God's testimony. The, at the end, the second part of verse 9, it, it tells us this, uh, uh, something about what God is asserting in terms of His testimony. Um, for this is the testimony of God. You see it there at the very second half of verse 9. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. So in other words, as John's writing to us, uh, John is telling us that God has been and still is actively testifying about something concerning His Son. That, that God is, in fact, leading the efforts to focus our attention, to focus all the world's attention upon His Son. Look at my Son. Pay attention to my Son. Listen to what is being said about my Son. Now, this, this unit that we picked up in verse 6 is really a continuation of where we left off last week. Uh, look at verse 5. Uh, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then verse 6 just kind of picks up there. And, and this is he. He? Who's he? Well, he, just the previous reference there. He's, he's talking about Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And, and, and so then he con- continues on in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Now remember... Um, Maybe I'll say this again next week. Our plan is for next week we're finished with uh, 1 John. But but so I've said this ample times throughout. But um, there there really are three items that John uh, has kept exposing us to in his letter. Living in relationship, experiencing relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, consists of three broad areas. One area uh, is, is, um, is that there is uh, a concern. For those of us who live in relationship with Jesus Christ, there, there should be, there must be, there is to be a concern with living righteously, obediently. And John has just kept circling that issue. He'll bring it up and then move on to another point and then bring it up again and move on to another point. So the first item is that there's a concern with living righteously, obediently. Second, that there is a concern with loving properly. That's the second thing he's brought up and, and then moved on to the next point and then brought up again. And, and the third item is that there is a concern with believing correctly. So we're back to this third concern now. He's He's mentioned it back in chapter 2, around verses 22 or so. He's mentioned it back in chapter 4, verses 2 and, and 3. And, and, and now we're back. Uh, in other words, a part of what it means to live in relationship with Jesus Christ is that we comprehend who Jesus is. That we are to follow not a Jesus of our own creation. We are, nor are we to follow a Jesus as he was, as he's been explained by false teachers, who he said back in chapter two are are actually some of the antichrists. 
In other words, John is very burdened by, and so therefore we who want to follow Jesus should be very alert to following Jesus as he is correctly revealed, as he truly is, as he has come from the Father, as the Father has given testimony about him, as Jesus himself has revealed about himself, and, 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 and how he has been proven to be legit by the very Holy Spirit of God. Let me make sure you know, you and I are not saved uh, by uh, by us grabbing hold of a right uh, of, a, of of how you and I have a right view of Jesus, and yet on the other hand, only a true Jesus, only the true Jesus, saves. John, back in chapter one, has been on this matter of testimony and testifying. He introduced us to his letter when he says in verse 2 of chapter 1, and, and the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life. So John's letter, and here is we're bringing things to a, conc- a conclusion, the, the very... The very uh, reference to the Father is that there is, there's, there's been an important testimony provided that, that, that God the Father, as well as John and the other apostles, have testified to who Jesus truly is. Now, that's what's clear. What's not so clear in this passage is some of the meaning by what he says by, going back to verse 6, this is he who came by, the, by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For all three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, these all agree. These three agree. What I would suggest to you is what John is explaining to us is that, that the Spirit of God has testified that Jesus is legit. And, and John takes uh, two words that reflect, I believe, the, the start of Jesus' public ministry and the conclusion of Jesus' public ministry. When he says the water, I, I, I would suggest to you that he's referring to Jesus at his baptism, the outset of Jesus' public ministry. You remember there, even at the baptism, the, it was the Spirit of, of God that, that testified to the legitimacy of the one being baptized. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So, so you, 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 have this, you have this notion of water here. I, I, I think what he's saying is this is the start of Jesus' public ministry. And then, of course, when he refers to the blood, I think he's talking about the, the climax of Jesus' public ministry, that, that what Jesus accomplished at the cross, the shedding of his blood, that even in John 12, which is the precursor to, to Jesus' arrest and, and, um, uh, and crucifixion, uh, God had affirmed uh, concerning Jesus, I, I have testified to you and I will testify to you. And so even at the cross, the, the very testimony of God is asserting that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Son of God. Well, 
That's all I want to say about that first point then. That the, that the, the assertion of God's testimony, it concerns his son. It's been legitimized by, by the testimony of the spirit who testified at the baptism of Jesus, i.e. the water, and at the crucifixion of Jesus, i.e. the shedding of his blood. Now, now, what I want us to spend maybe a few more minutes on is what I'm going to call the appropriation of God's testimony. And that's going to be verses 10, 11, and 12. And we would hit it like this. So what's the significance of this assertion from God concerning his son? What's all this fuss about? Uh, this, uh, why is God making such a big to-do about giving a testimony concerning his son? And, and, and more importantly then, what are we to do with that testimony? What's that testimony to me and to you and, and to us? And I would start us at verse 11, which gets right down to what's the significance of this testimony. Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. What's at stake? Life is at stake. Life is at stake concerning God's testimony of his son. His son is the only source, the only provider of life. The bold assertion here is that if you do not have the son this day, this morning, you do not have life. Say, wait a minute. I'm here, ain't I? I'm alive, aren't I? I'm breathing, can't you see? My heart is beating, uh, can't you hear? My, my, my brain waves are, are occurring, I think. It's not, that's not what, what John is specifically talking about by life here in this unit. He's, he's not disputing that, that there are some who have beating hearts and breathing lungs and brain waves. He's talking about life as it was originally designed to be experienced by the creator of life. Life is, is defined not so much by physical existence here in this passage. Life is defined as living in experiencing and living in relationship with our Creator. Without a living relationship with our Creator, we do not have life. We have existence. John 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. The kind of life that's described here, that John is, 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 is speaking to us about, that's found only in his Son, is, is the life that we live in relationship with the God who made us. Without living in relationship with the God who made us through his Son, Jesus Christ, Oh, we are alive for the moment, but we are dead. 
Ephesians 2, verse 1 reminds us, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So, you see the, see the inconsistency apparently? They're walking, they're living, and yet while they're living, they're dead. They're walking dead. Anyone here this morning who is not looking to Jesus is breathing, but you are breathing out death. You're cut off from the life that's experienced only in relationship with God and with His Son. You see, you and I do not natively live in this kind of life. This life is born natively in Jesus and is experienced only to those who live in relationship with Jesus. John 1, at the beginning of John's gospel, is concerning Jesus, he says, and in him was life. And, and that life was the light to men. Or what John, uh, John's gospel tells us in John chapter 10, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He would go on in that same chapter to say that he was the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Do you see what the Scripture is describing to us? The Scripture is not trying to get into like an like a irrelevant um, uh, conflict and, and fight with you and I on whether or not you're breathing this morning. You're here, and we're glad you're here. But our real interest this morning is not simply who among us is breathing. Our interest this morning is who among us is living in the sun. That's the significance. That's what's at stake. What are we to do with this sun? Well, he said this throughout the book of John and elsewhere in Scripture, but you could just Verse 10, whoever believes in the, in the Son of God has the testimony within himself. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Whoever believes. To have the Son, you must believe. What does it mean to believe? And this, is, this could be tricky, so hang with me for a second here. Believing in Jesus certainly means that you understand a couple of things about him, who he is and what he has done. But merely understanding some things about Jesus, merely even understanding, oh, I believe that. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. that notion of just believing in terms of merely assenting to or having a, a measure of understanding about is, is not what we're talking about here. You know, to believe in Jesus certainly means you've, you've comprehended what's the big deal about him. 
But it means that now in understanding who he is and what he has done, you, you turn to him. To believe in Jesus means that you embrace him. You don't just simply affirm some things about him. You go to him. You embrace him. You, you now follow him. You now depend upon him. You now love him. You love him because look at what he has done for us. He's laid down his life for us. He has forfeited a sense of life. He was at that moment at the cross cut off from fellowship with God so that you and I might be brought into fellowship with God. So that we would have life. He laid down his life. Oh. So how could you not, if you understand that, that this Jesus, he lived and, and, and bled and died and was raised again, that, that you could say, meh, I'm in search for life. No, 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 there's only one source of life, and that's found in the one who's laid down his life, whom God raised from the dead, and he lives forevermore, and he intercedes for his people. He's coming back for his people. This Jesus, this Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, demands that we embrace him and that we follow him and that we depend upon him and that we love him. In fact, I know there may be some, even this morning, who maybe have never, ever, ever really embraced Jesus in this way. you've, You've understood him. You've heard the stories since you were a little kid, but you've never, you've never turned to Jesus and followed him. Today is the day to do that. Or maybe you've done that. But what maybe what's happened is what John talks about in another of his leather letters. That over time, we've lost our focus. And we have, as he says in the book of Revelation, we have lost our first love. And when we lose sight of Jesus, who is the source of life, we lose sight of life. You see... I don't know how old you were when you first embraced Jesus, assuming you have embraced Jesus. Maybe you were seven. Maybe you were eight. Maybe you were nine. And you think, well, that's just kid stuff. Now it's time to move on to the big stuff. Well, I think it was 1968, 1967, one of those years in there. But I had like the best Christmas ever. Under the tree was this big box. It was probably about this wide. It was probably about this high. And inside of it was not only two 12-inch G.I. Joes. I mean, I'm not talking those little puny three- or four-inch things. Get rid of that. But I'm talking about the big, the real G.I. Joes. Two 12-inch G.I. Joes plus a G.I. Joe Jeep, plus a G.I. Joe trailer that hooked up to that Jeep, plus a G.I. Joe cannon that attached to that trailer that hooked up to that Jeep. I still have that Jeep and those G.I.O.s. G.I. 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 
E-I-E-I-O, G.I. Joes. They're still significant to me. In fact, if, if you guys want to, I mean, this is Memorial Day weekend. If you guys want to come over and play G.I. Joe's this afternoon, we can. I mean, it's just, this is good stuff. I just, I've never gotten over this. Well, some of us can, have been tempted to get over Jesus. Such a long time ago, you turned to him. And life has gotten hectic and crazy and suffering has come and sin has come and, and it's fuzzy now of where life is found. Life is found in Jesus. Turn to him once again this morning. There is fullness of life, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore, not pleasures the way the world defines them, but the real stuff. Hundred proof. It's found in Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn back to Jesus. Turn to Jesus again and again and again and again and again. But one song that we sang, I think, has some precious lyrics to us for us. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. Don't think, oh, no, no, I'll, 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 I'll run back to Jesus once I get a few things straightened out here. And once I, once I, once I, once I feel better about the position of my heart and I clean up a few things. In other words, don't obey your conscience at that moment. Run to Jesus. Don't, don't let your imagination that I'll get a couple of things straightened out and then Jesus will smile when I come back to him because I've gotten a few things straightened out. No, if you tarry till you're better, you will never, you will never ever come at all. All the fitness that he requireth is to feel your need of him. Whether you are feeling that need for the first time this morning. You say, I feel poor and needy. Good. I feel weak and wounded. Yes. Because we're talking about the one who has life. Or whether you've come to him, but you've walked away from him, you've ignored him, you've gotten distracted and missed focused. And as a result, what has crept back in, we pray by the grace of God, is a feeling of poverty and neediness. What has crept back in is a feeling of weakness and woundedness. What I want you to see this morning is that with Jesus, there really is 10,000 charms. What have you done with this one whom is truly beautiful and lovely and joy-inducing and heart-satisfying and contentment-creating? What have you done with Jesus today? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for what he has done by living a perfect life of complete 
righteousness. Thank you for what he has done. He has placed his life on a cross where he has bore up under the curse of our sin. He's taken its punishment and received its wrath and justice in our place. Thank you for the one who has now been raised and at your right hand, who is seated and whose session consists of pleading for us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that there is life in him. And without him, there is no life. So may we see Jesus today and may the overflow of his life in us spill out in gratitude and in grace and in hope and in strength and in joy and in all things that we need. For you alone give life. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing about this Savior.